Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. I'm teaching a series titled Jesus the Great Storyteller. And uh, what we've been doing in this series is looking at the parables of Jesus. And of course, a parable, a parable is, is a natural story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And Jesus often taught using parables and uh, uh, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that uh, said that Jesus would open his mouth in parables and reveal things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So what a good reason for studying the parables of Jesus. Also, in this series, we've been learning so much about the kingdom of heaven, or we could say the kingdom of God, because many of Jesus's parables, he would begin by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like unto... And, and of course, then a parable is a natural story illustrating a spiritual truth. So as Jesus would tell those natural stories, they would illustrate spiritual truths about the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, uh, we're, we're many weeks into this series now. So if you've missed any of the past sessions, I'd like to invite you to go back into our archives where you can catch up on anything that you've missed. It's all there for you for free. And I, again, would invite you to do that. Uh, so let's move on with, uh, with this series. And today I want to uh, talk to you. I'm going to cover two parables today, but really they address the same subject. Uh, the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. And so let me read them both to you. Again, two parables here today. Uh, and remember, a parable is a natural story that illustrates a spiritual truth, okay? Two parables here today, the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, uh, but they illustrate the same spiritual truth. And so let me read them and then we'll get into to studying them. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 43 uh, or actually, I'm sorry, verse 44, Matthew 13, uh, 44, Jesus says, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, see, there it is, the kingdom of heaven is like. So he's going to share this parable and it will teach us a spiritual truth. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. So it's the parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, I want you to underline in your Bible or highlight it somehow where it says, sells all that he has. Okay, sells all that he has. Underline that because we're going to see that to be the central truth of, of, of this parable and the one we're about to read which is the parable of the pearl of great price. Let's go there and read that. It's just uh, in verse, right here where we're at, verse 45. He says again, the kingdom of heaven is like, there he says it again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he has had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And again, underline or highlight somehow in your Bible, where it says, sold all that he had, sold all that he had. So here we have the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price, two different parables, but they illustrate the same spiritual truth. Now, let me say this. 
And I said this in our first session uh, when we had the introductory material on parables, but I, and I mentioned it as we've gone through the last several weeks. But if you try to make every word or phrase in a parable mean something, you can get yourself into uh, in, in, into in, really actually into confusion and and into uh, problems with the doctrine of the Bible. You you never take a parable and establish doctrine. Okay, you just don't. That's a that's a, a rule of Bible interpretation. You never establish a, a Bible doctrine based on a parable. But of course, the parables of the Lord would never violate a, a Bible doctrine, but simply back them up. So, but but the point I'm trying to make is is if you take every word or every phrase in a parable and try to make it mean something, you could you could get yourself in a mess and and get yourself in a mess doctrinally. And, and so we don't want to do that. We want to remember that each parable has has a general or a central truth that it's uh, uh, that Jesus is trying to get across to us. So we don't want to go in here and make every last word or phrase mean something, or we'll get ourselves in a mess, and we don't want to do that. Actually, there's two main views that scholars have of these two parables. Two main views, now there may be others, but there's two main views that scholars hold concerning these two parables. The first is this, that the treasure and or the pearl is lost humanity and God gave gave all that he had. He gave his only begotten son to obtain lost humanity back. And that certainly is a viable view of these two parables, certainly. That's one view that some scholars hold, and they say that's the central truth that Jesus is trying to portray here. And and certainly that that may very well be the case. There's also a second view, uh, and it's this, that the treasure or the pearl is Jesus, and humanity, lost humanity, must give up all to obtain him or to obtain salvation. Now, we understand that there's nothing that we can do to uh, uh, buy Jesus or, or, or purchase our salvation. Jesus purchased our salvation. We can't do it. So that's why you have to be careful with going in here and trying to make every last word mean something. Because if you hold this view, the second view, that uh, the treasure of the pearl is Jesus and, and lost humanity is uh, uh, needs to give up all to obtain him. You know, you, you get in there and you say, well, how can, like I just said, how can we, how can we purchase salvation? You know, doctrinally from the rest of the Bible, you can't do that. Salvation is a free gift that Jesus purchased for us. So that's why you have to be careful that you, you don't try, try to make every word or phrase mean something. But the general truth here would hold that uh, with this view that the pearl or the, the hidden treasure is lost humanity uh, and, and lost humanity would need to, to uh, give up all to obtain Jesus. And actually, that is the view that I want to center in on here for the rest of this the, the teaching here today. Now, either of these two views are very viable but I think this second view uh, is, is well. This second view is the one that I want to 
center in on. We, we do understand and we do know that God gave up. I, I mean, he, he, the Bible says in John three sixteen that, that for God so loved the world. So he, he prizes the world. And by that, he's talking about lost humanity. For God so loved lost humanity. And he would have seen lost humanity as a, as a treasure or, or as a pearl of great price. Uh, and, and you think about the, you know, the love of God and how much he loves us to see us in that light. And, and certainly he gave up all that he had. He gave his only begotten son to obtain lost humanity. So again, that, that certainly that view is very viable here. But the, the second view is the one that I, like I said, is the one that I want to, want to go down that path with in the rest of this teaching is that, that the treasure, the pearl, is is Jesus, and uh, and he is a pearl of great price, and he is a great treasure. And you know, if you study the Bible, God does hide some things. He does. If you study the Bible, you see that he does hide some things, and uh, and he does that because he wants us to seek him, to seek him out, and find him. Absolutely, and you can see that as you study the Bible. But you can see that that you certainly this this second view that the treasure. The hidden treasure that, you know, is Jesus, the pearl of great price, Jesus. And we as lost humanity would need to give up all to obtain him. And, and, and so that's a view I want to want to look at as we go on here. Now, this this view here about giving up all to follow Jesus. Now, listen very carefully what we're going to talk about here, the rest of this message, this view about giving up all to obtain Jesus has been lost for the most part in Christianity in the United States. You need to realize that Christianity in the United States, by and large, does not respect Jesus does not respect God the Father, God the Son, the Lord Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit as, as they should. Uh, American Christianity, Christianity, I'll say it here, American Christianity does not respect the Lord Jesus as, 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 as American Christians do not, by and large, now I'm not saying everybody, I'm not saying everybody, I'm not saying every church, I'm not saying everybody, but I am saying by and large does not respect God. American Christians and, and churches in America, by and large, have lost respect for the Lord and do not respect God as, as, as they should. And, and this teaching that we must give up all to follow him is not a popular teaching in the United States. It just isn't, particularly among uh, the hyper-prosperity uh, preachers this has been all but lost where where Christianity is portrayed by and large that, you know, that we give to their ministries and then we get blessed beyond our wildest dreams. And, you know, we have condominiums and 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 Cadillacs, condominiums and cruisers and airliners and jets and diamond rings and gold watches and all these other things, you, you know, uh, and, and, you know, what, at this teaching of self-sacrifice that we're going to be looking at here today and, 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 and giving up all to follow the Lord has been all but lost 
really among most of American Christianity. Um, and, and, and that's so sad. That's so sad. American Christianity has lost, I think, by and large, the teaching that I'm going to give you here in the rest of this message. And it's, it's, it's very sad. And you can see, you, you could just, just, just overall a lack of respect for God and the things of God. I'm not saying everybody, but so much of it. And again, just that we must sacrifice and give up. Uh, uh, we must give up all to serve Jesus. Not a popular message and not a message you're going to be hearing from a lot of pulpits, particularly media pulpits, which the ones I'm aware of, you won't hear this very much. You hear it some, but not very much. So let's look at it here. The pearl, the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl of great uh, price teaches us that we must uh, give up all to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice if you would Luke the 14th chapter, Luke the 14th chapter and the 25th verse says, Now great multitudes went with him, went with Jesus. So, so he's going along and the Lord Jesus, he's going along and the Bible says great multitudes. That's a whole lot of people were following him, going with him. And he, he turns, he turns and he says to them, Luke 14, 25, he turns to the multitude and he says to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate. Now, this word hate here, if you study in the Greek language, what it means is this. It means to hate by comparison. Now, write that in your notes, by comparison, by comparison. The Lord is not telling us to hate the people we're about to read about here in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But he is telling us to hate by comparison. And you'll see what I mean here in a moment. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, and I'm going to say it by comparison, his father and mother. See, if you didn't, if you didn't read into the, into the original language, the, the English translation leaves us a little bit dumbfounded there. That's why you need to do some studying. And, and dig into your study books and your 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 uh, your Greek you know concordances and whatnot, and you can you can it'll bear it, it out here. He's not telling us to hate his father, to hate our fathers and mothers and so forth. But by comparison, so if anyone comes to me and does not hate by comparison his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whew, wow. Hey, you think about that. You think about that. In other words, if, if you look at, you see, we're supposed to love our fathers. We're supposed to love our mothers. We're supposed to love our wives. We're supposed to love our children's, we're, our children's, our children. We're supposed to love our brothers and sisters and so on. Absolutely, the Bible commands us to do that. We're supposed to love these people. But if you hold them up to Jesus, we should love Jesus so much more. Yes, we love our father and our mother and so forth and our children and our wife. Yes, we love these people. But if you compare them to Jesus, we love Jesus so much more 
that we love him so much more that it looks like we hate these other people. That's what he's saying there. We have to love him more. We have to, we have to keep him first. You know, yeah, we love all these other people, but compared to Jesus, we love Jesus so much more that we love him so much it looks like we hate these other people. That's what he's saying there. And then he says, verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross, underline that, bear his cross, and come after me cannot be, cannot be my disciple. Now you say, what does that mean, bear his cross? What, see, the cross was for the crucifixion of the flesh, or the, or the, or the, the death of the flesh. What he's really saying here is that whoever does not bear his cross, uh, has to do with this, uh, let me put it words everybody can understand. We're giving up our life and what we want to do and the things we want to pursue for what the Lord, for, for the Lord and for what he wants us to do. That's what bear his, bear, bearing our cross means is, is laying down what we want to do and going after the Lord and what he wants us to do. Yes, it means certainly keeping our flesh under control and living right. That's one application of it. But here, what he's, what he's talking about is you can't be his disciple unless you're going to give up what you want to do and, and, and follow him wholeheartedly and do what he wants you to do. See, I wanted, I wanted to be a, 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 a professional golfer. And I was a pretty good golfer as a kid. I wanted to do that. I wasn't too bad at tennis either. I couldn't have been a professional tennis player, but I could have pursued the golf arena. I wanted to do that, but the Lord didn't want me to do that. And then I wanted to be a, a, a college math instructor, and I got to do that for a little while, but, but the Lord, Lord didn't want me doing that. So see, I had to give those things up to follow him and do what he, he wanted me to do, which is be in the ministry and, and, and preach the gospel and flow in the healing anointing. And, oh, I'm so glad I did. Well, I tell you what, I have, <laughs> have had so much fun, had far more fun serving the Lord and watching him heal all those people over all those years. Uh, that was a whole lot more fun than, than, than making a hole in one or hitting an ace in tennis, serving an ace in tennis or, or uh, teaching school, uh, you know, solve, solving a calculus problem. You understand? And so, uh, but, but what, you know, take up his cross. That means put down what we want to do and go do what he wants us to do, you see. He said, whoever does not bear his cross, you know what that means now, can, uh, he, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot, cannot be my disciple. But those are powerful words. And then in verse 33, he says, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Another way of saying bear his cross. So, but, but let's center in on that. Forsake all that he has. Forsake all that he has. He says, if you don't do that, you can't. If you have to forsake all that you have, just like in those parables, the parable of the hidden treasure and the, the parable of the, uh, the pearl of great price said that, that, that I had, remember I had you underline, sells all that he has. It says, kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has. 
and, and buys that field. And then about the pearl of great price, he says when he's found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, to serve Jesus, we have to forsake all that we have, all our wants, all our desires, what we want to do and follow him. And you see, that, that doesn't get preached too much from the pulpits of America. It just doesn't. Now, I'm sure it does some, I say I'm sure, I assume it does in, 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 in churches. I would assume that. But by and large, by what I'm aware of and what I see on the media, uh, you know, you don't hear that too much. It's more, what can you get out of Christianity? What can Christianity give me? You know, what can it pr- provide for me? You know, a beautiful house, a beautiful car, nice clothes, this, that, and the other, you know, rather than, than, than the self-sacrifice that Christianity is all about. Not about poverty. I'm not talking about being poor and broken, busted and disgusted. If you followed my ministry any amount of time, you know I don't believe that. I don't teach that. But what I'm talking motive here that you follow God, he'll bless you. But but financially and all that other stuff, you understand that. But the priority is we're willing to give up and we will give up anything that we have to, that he asks us to, and forsake all and follow him. That's what Christianity is really. One of the core principles of it is we forsake all to follow him. Absolutely. It's, it's not, well, we're going to just believe on him. And then we're going to just live over here however we want and do whatever we want. Do, you know, and I don't just mean sinful things. I'm talking about just, you know, you know, like being a professional golfer or a, or a college math instructor. That's not, those aren't sinful things, you know, but that's what I wanted to do. But that's not what the Lord wanted me to do. So I had to forsake those things to follow him. And if I hadn't done that, I couldn't have been his disciple. You see, you understand now notice here. Let's read uh, Matthew's account of this. We read Luke 14. Now let's go to Matthew 10, verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now think about that. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. I learned a long time ago. (laughs) It was a great revelation to me some 30 years ago when I began dealing with people at, you know, on a pastoral level as a pastor. And I found out real quick that, that most Christians, I didn't say all, but I said most, and I'm not going to take that back. Most love a whole lot of other people and things more than they love Jesus. Absolutely the truth. And it's very, very sad. It's very, very sad. And And he said it right here. He said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. See, a lot of people, you know, they they love Jesus. Yeah, but they but they love their wife or they love their husband or they love their mother or father, their children more. Are we supposed to love our children? Absolutely. And, and, and these other people, yes. But what did we say earlier? What did Jesus say earlier? We have to love him more. So much so that by comparison, it looks like we hate these other people, even though we don't hate them, but you understand. And there's a lot of Christians that, that people that say they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but let's just let Jesus talk for himself here. I don't, I don't let him talk for himself. 
He doesn't, he doesn't need me to do no, like Ricky Ricardo said, you know, splaining. Jesus doesn't need me to do no splaining for him. You know, that was Lucy's husband, Ricky Ricardo. It, you know, he'd get in trouble. He'd have to explain some things to Lucy. The Lord don't need me to explain nothing for him. He said it right out here. He, so just let's, what did he say? He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Think about that. And he who does not take his cross, there it is again, and follow me is not worthy of me. Take his cross. Lay down, put your own wants and desires to death, really, under, put them under and follow him. He said, people that won't do that, it's not worthy of him. And and then he says this, he says, he who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And you think about that. In other words, if we uh, uh, say, hey, I, Lord, I want to do my own thing and I'm going to do my own thing. I, I believe on you. All right. But I'm going to do my own thing. Well, he just said he who finds his life will lose it. I don't need to do no explaining for him. That's what that's what the Lord said. And then but then he said he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And, and I can tell you, I alluded to it a moment ago, but I, I, I lost some things, if you will. I didn't get, in other words, what I meant by that or mean by that is I didn't get to be the golfer that I, that I wanted to be. I didn't get to be the, you know, the, the, the college math instructor that I wanted to be. But I, so I lost that. But I tell you what, I wouldn't trade it for all those years of teaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and, and getting to prophesy under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and get to get to see multitudes of people healed by the power of God right before my eyes. I tell you what, see, I, I lost some things that that I wanted to do, but I tell you what, the life he gave me that I got to see some things, man, I tell you what, uh, uh, he who loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will find it. But I can say amen to that. I've lived that. Praise God. Anyway, uh, look at Luke, the ninth chapter, a little more along these lines. The cost of following Jesus all has to do with the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price about selling all that we have, giving up what, what we want for what he wants. Look at this. The cost of following Jesus, Luke, the ninth chapter, as we get into these verses, what Jesus is going to do is in response, as he's, there's three people that he's going to have interaction with. And as we read through here, Jesus, if you, if you study him, and I have over the years, I've studied him. I, I've got a lot more to learn about him, but I, he's infinite. You'll never learn everything there is to know about him. But one thing I've learned about him, among many other things, is that Jesus deals with the root of situations. He goes right to the root. He goes right to the root of the matter. And you're going to see that right here as we read. Look at this, Luke 9, 57. Now it happened that we're talking about the cost of following Jesus, being his disciple. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. <laughs> Boy, have I, have I heard that over the years. Pastor, we'll do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Pastor, I'll be here every Sunday. <laughs> oh boy, I tell you what. And uh, I had so many visitors, multitudes of visitors come through over the years as I'd greet after the service at the door. They'd shake my hand. Oh, Pastor, 
First, I'm first time visitor today. Love the service. Love your preaching. Loved, loved everything. Loved the worship service. Loved everything. I'll be back next week. I'll be here every week. Never see them again. <laughs> you know, I'd have more respect for those people if they just walk up and say, you know, I had a few say this over there. I'm here today. You're never going to see me again. And uh, I'd have more respect for them telling me the truth than, than, uh, than uh, those other liars. Did you hear what I said? I said liars. I remember back when we started the church in we're at Rockwood Summit High School and a lady came on a Wednesday night and she came hop bopping in there and she sat on the front row and after the service while I'm greeting at the door and she she said, uh, she said, I'm a church hopper. She said, I, I, I seldom go to the same church twice. She said, you're going to see me tonight. You're never going to see me again. And you know what? She was right. I never saw her again. But I've got more respect for her, even though you shouldn't be a church hopper. <laughs> Find where God wants you to go. You don't choose your church. You let God choose your church for you. And then you stay there and you're faithful there to that pastor and that, that, that church. But I have more respect for her. At least she looked me in the eye and told me the truth that all these other liars I've dealt with over the years, these First time visitors that tell you, oh, I'll see you next week. You never see him again. Well, anyway, <laughs> a little blunt there, but it's true. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. That's what this guy said to Jesus. And then Jesus responded to the root of this guy's situation. And he said this, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of uh, man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, people that don't, study the Bible and realize they don't really know God too much. <laughs> They'll come in there and teach a doctrine of poverty from that and say, well, you know, Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. Well, you study into it. Jesus had a house. He did. He, he did. And, uh, uh, I believe it was there in Capernaum and, uh, uh, but, but, but it wasn't that he didn't have anywhere to lay his head. He was dealing with the point here, the aspect here that he was a travel. He was, he was a tra Jesus traveled all over the place. And that's what he was making reference to there, that he was, he was traveling and, and he was always on the go. And he hit, this guy said, Hey, Lord, I'll, he said, he said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus knew that he wouldn't do it. And he hit, he hit him. The root of the issue when he said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. What do I mean by hit the root of the issue? He knew that this guy, if he began to follow Jesus and in this traveling ministry, that, that this fellow wasn't going to last because things were going to get tough. Things were going to be hard. He wasn't going to have a nice bed to sleep in every night. He, huh? Come on. He wasn't going to have night, uh, you know, it was going to be rough out there on the road traveling. You know, he wasn't going to be able to sleep in his nice warm bed every night. And Jesus struck to the root of this guy's issue. And I'll guarantee it to you, if this guy would have, would have, would have followed Jesus any length of time, he would have walked away from the Lord. You know, he would have continued with the Lord because the going, uh, he, he wasn't going to have a nice bed to sleep in at night. I, I know I've had different ones over the years that, that came and, you know, wanted to, to over 27 years, 
wanted to work with us and, and so on and so forth. And we'll, we're here with you. We'll do whatever you need done, whatever you need done, Pastor. Now, we had a lot of good helpers and a lot of people that were faithful over long periods of time. So, uh, amen. Thank God for that. I don't want to accentuate the negative, but uh, uh, thank God for all the good people we had. But I tell you what, I had a bunch of them too. <laughs> the old pastor, anything you want done, anything, we'll do anything you want done, anything you want done. And then just no more than things got, they'd start up at it and then things would get a little hard or something didn't go just the way they thought, they quit. They're done. And and so I believe Jesus was hitting at the root of what this guy's issue was, is that he's going to find out real quick to follow Jesus isn't, isn't, isn't just all a, a bed of roses. And he wasn't going to be get, he wasn't going to have a bed of roses to sleep in every night. He was going to have to, you know, he might have to sleep on the floor or on the ground, you know, same thing, floor, ground. And uh, he, he wasn't going to make it too long. And then another set, uh, then to this other guy, Verse 59, Jesus says to him, follow me. Now you think about that. The first guy volunteered his services to Jesus. Jesus didn't tell him to follow him. But the second guy here, think about Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. What great words to hear. Follow me. But he says to the Lord, he says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now underline that word, let me first. First, go bury. First, first, go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, much could be said here about why Jesus said that. Jesus isn't against us, you know, uh, giving a proper burial to our parents when they pass away and all of that. It, It had nothing to do with that. It had to do where this guy's heart really was because this guy said, let me, now watch this, let me first, Lord, let me first, Jesus said, follow me. And the guy says, let me first go do this, then I'll follow you. See, he was putting something else first before the Lord. See, again, nothing wrong with burying your father, you know, if he's died or whatever, but in this case, but it was that he was good, this guy was going to put that first before, uh, uh, before what the Lord wanted. The Lord says, follow me, you go. <laughs> we'll see this here in a moment. You go. When we look at his disciples here in just a moment, you go. You drop what you're, he says, follow me. You drop what you're doing. You give up what you want to do and you go. Absolutely. But this guy said, let me first go bury my father and so forth. And Jesus, you know, much we I could talk for a long time about verse 60, but for this sermon right here, the the issue is that this guy had something that was more important to him, as important, as good as it was. See, as good as it was, being sure your deceased parent is properly, you know, a funeral and all that, as important as that is, see, you got to put Jesus first. A lot of people just don't understand that, but we've got, you know, Jesus has to be first above everything else. Absolutely. And the problem here, in my opinion, wasn't that he wanted to give a proper burial to his parent, but is that he said to Jesus, when Jesus said, follow me, he said, yeah, but let me first go do this other thing. Now, I could go on with this, but for the sake of time, let's move to verse 61. And another also said, now this other guy, here's the third one, says, Lord, I'll follow you. But, and now watch this. And then he says, but let me first, underline that first, 
go and bid them farewell who are at my house. See, the issue there is they had something else that was first before the Lord. You're not going to make it very far following the Lord if you got if you put other things first before Him. I learned a long time ago. I learned this, and, and the Lord has blessed me wonderfully. And one of the reasons is is that a long time ago, over 30 years ago, more than well, 35 years ago, I learned this. You set your schedule up around God. You don't, you don't, you understand that? You set your schedule up around God and what he wants done, around the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, what, 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 what they want done, what God wants done. You set your schedule up around what God wants done. You don't set your own schedule up the way you want it to be and then just fit God in wherever you can fit him in. I tell you what, in pastoring 30 some odd years, I saw that up close and personal. Now, not everybody, but a good deal of people, because I had a good church, good, and still do have a good church. You people watching me, you're part of my church. Fantastic. Love to have you. What a blessing. But I'm, I'm saying over time, I saw a lot of people that they would set up their own schedule and then they just fit God in wherever it was convenient. No, 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 no. If you want to walk in a real blessing of God, you set your schedule up around God. And <laughs> you give up what you want to do. You do what he wants to do, what he wants you to do. You set your schedule up around God, and then you fit what you, what you want to do in around that. I tell you what, <laughs> it's hard on the flesh at the time to do that. But I tell you what, I, I, I wasn't perfect at it, but I did it pretty much. And I tell you what, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did because I wouldn't have got to see all the things, like I said, the healing power of God and all that. I wouldn't have got to see all that if I would have, if I would have set up my own schedule and then fit God in wherever, you see. And I learned this too about God. If you'll set your schedule up around Him, uh, He'll, He'll make time for you to do the things that you enjoy. He will. He's a good God. He's not a taskmaster. He really isn't. But it's where are we going to put our priority? And see, the root of these situations here, had to do with these other people, these people here, they want to serve Jesus, but they want to do something else first that's more important. And we have to, you know, what did he say? Unless we're willing to forsake all, we're not worthy of him and we, we can't be his disciple. Okay, it's that simple. Uh, it's not, not a popular message. A lot of times doesn't get preached, but it's in the Bible. And I tell you what, if you want to walk in the, in the, in the rich blessing of the Lord, it's something you need to take to heart and do. Now, verse 62, he said, no one having put his hand to the plow, Jesus said, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. Powerful, isn't it? No one putting his hand to the plow and looking back. You know, uh, you know, something we're all, I guess, tempted to do, look back. But uh, I, I don't want to look back. I don't want to, I don't want to look back. Let's, you know, we, we, we can learn from our past, but we shouldn't live in our past. You understand that. And uh, uh, I don't want to look back. I want to just keep serving the Lord. And I'm glad, I, I'm glad that, like I said, I'm glad. Look, 
just peeking back there now and seeing what my life would have been if I'd have done my own thing. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad I followed the Lord. Amen. And still am following him. But he said, anyone putting his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What are we trying to say is Jesus is the hidden treasure. He's the pearl of great price. And we must sell all that we have, give up what we want to do, forsake all that we want to do, and follow him. And I tell you what, It'll be a blessing to us if we do. You know, I think along these lines, I think about, you know, Peter and Andrew and James and John, Jesus's first disciples. And uh, you could read this in Mark, the first chapter, but Jesus said he, he walked up to him, you know, and much we could say, but he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And in Mark 118, the Bible says they immediately left their nets and followed him. They, they were fishermen. They were in the fishing business. And Jesus said, come on. And when Jesus says, come on, let's go. You don't look back. You don't look back. If you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. He says, come on, let's go. You don't look back. You just go. And the Bible says they immediately left their nets and followed him. That was Simon and Andrew. And then if you read on in Mark 1 there, you see James and John, verse 19, uh, they were in the, the boat with their father and their hired hands and whatnot. They had, a, they had, from my study of it, a real nice fishing business. And Jesus called them and said, come on, you know, I'll make you fishers of men. And notice in verse 20, they immediately, Im- see, immediately, they, did, they didn't have anything else to do first, like these other guys we read about. You know, let me first finish cleaning the nets. Let me first do this, that, or the other. The Bible says immediately they left their father in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. I mean, they left their dad there with the hired servants and they left immediately and followed Jesus. And they became apostles of the Lamb. My, 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 my. And all the wonderful things they they got to, to see and experience. Just think if they would have stayed in the boat and said, no, we got to clean the nets. Just think about that. They wouldn't have seen some of the greatest miracles and the power of God that's, that's ever been, that's, that's known to man. The ministry, they'd have missed the ministry of the Lord, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about that. They'd have, they'd have, they wouldn't have got to hear all his teachings and see all those miracles and just, just more importantly, just being with him. Just being with him. My, my, my. I bet you're, if you talk to them, when we talk to them in heaven, I bet, I don't bet, I know, I know they're all going to say, we're glad we left those nets. Glad we left those nets. And Luke's account of it, Luke 5, 11 said, when they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all, see, forsook all, his, his, these guys we're reading about here, Andrew, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they forsook all, see, they wanted to be Jesus' disciple, they forsook all and followed him. It's interesting, Matthew He's also known as Levi. In Luke, the fifth chapter, he was he was a tax collector, and Jesus came up and said, "Follow me." And when Jesus says, "Follow me," you you he says, "Come along, let's go." You don't look back; you just take right off. And and, and Jesus said to him, to Matthew, "Follow me." And the Bible says, Matthew five twenty eight, he left all, rose up, and followed him. Praise God! That's exciting, isn't it? I'm sure Matthew's glad that he did. And, uh, and, and you can see again and again as people, uh, you can see him doing this through, throughout the New Testament. Uh, 
One that I particularly enjoy is Matthew, the eighth chapter. This is Peter's mother-in-law. And uh, she was sick of a fever in Matthew eight fourteen. Now, when he had come to Peter, when Jesus came to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand. The fever left her. And I like, well, I like this. I preached a whole message on this one time. It, 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 we're saved to serve. You know, the people that, that, that Jesus touched in the Bible. And I mean, they, they, did, they didn't want to just go on and do their own thing afterward. They wanted to serve him. And, and he, he heals her. And it says, she arose and served them. Actually, the Greek says, she arose and served him. You know, I've had a healing ministry. I've had people come and they've actually wanted to get healed so they could continue on doing their own thing. And I haven't seen a whole lot of those people get healed over the years. I just, you know, motive is so important. But I tell you what, people that Jesus healed and set free in the Bible, those people, they wanted to serve him and did serve him afterward. Like this, this lady here, Peter's mother-in-law, she arose and served him, Bartimaeus. Remember the blind, the blind beggar? He got his sight back and he didn't say, Oh, thank God. I got my sight back here. I'm going to go do my own thing. No, the Bible says he, he says he followed Jesus on the road. He, he went on the road with him. He just kept, kept right. He went right. He got his sight. Now he can see. He doesn't need anybody to, you know, he doesn't need his seeing eyed dog or his walking stick. Jesus gave him his sight back and now he can, he's following Jesus on the road. He didn't go off and do his own thing. And yeah, I think of the maniac of Gadara, possessed by that legion of demons and Jesus set him free and he didn't want to go back off and do his own thing. He, he wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus told him, no, he said, go to, go, you know, back home to your friends and tell them of the good things the Lord has done for you. I think about Mary Magdalene. She was set free of seven demons. Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Glory to God. She didn't go off and do her own thing. You see her, she's following Jesus all the way to the end, to the cross. And then she's there on resurrection morn. And she's the first one, Mary Magdalene, to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to declare he is risen. Glory to God. So, and then you think about, wait a minute, I'm not finished. The apostle Paul, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. He got saved, became the Apostle Paul, and he, he wrote in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 7, he says, but what things are gained to me, see, what things are gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost, lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, Saul of Tarsus was an up and comer. I mean, he was not only an up and comer, he had already, he was moving up through the, the, the religious hierarchy and the ranks of the uh, uh, Jewish religion. And, and he was one of the top dogs, if you will. I mean, and he was headed to the top and he was right there and could have, I mean, would have been one of the most powerful, if, I mean, if not already one of the most powerful men in the Jewish religious hierarchy but he was on the road to Damascus and a great light shone around about him and he fell to the ground under the power of God he was blinded and and that voice spoke to him glory to God and Saul Saul why do you persecute me said what who is it Lord he said I'm Jesus of Nazareth who you persecute so on and so forth he got saved he became the apostle Paul and he began serving the Lord and he left all that he had in the Jewish uh, religion and he came he became a Christian and he served the Lord Jesus Christ and he says for whom I've suffered for Jesus I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or as trash 
that I may gain Christ. In other words, he said, all that I had going for me, everything I wanted to do, I counted it as rubbish and trash that I may gain Christ. One of the greatest disciples and apostles of the Lord. And he didn't do his own thing after that. He did what Jesus wanted him to do. And oh, what was that? Uh, Write over half the New Testament. Glory to God and see the power of God in operation. My, my, my. Get caught up to the third heaven. Oh, he had, but you know, you think about that. He had a tough, and he had a tough road, road, road to walk too. I mean, he was, he got persecuted and beat up and all of that. You could read about all his perils over there in the book of, I think it's second Corinthians. Serving Jesus is at all the better roses, but it's so worthwhile and the rewards are eternal. But he said, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. You could go to the Old Testament. Abraham was called by God. He was, a, he, was, he was a heathen and God called him and he left all, left his father's house and became the father of faith. Glory to God. And then Moses, I like this. Moses in, in Hebrews 11 verse 24, we're talking about selling all, leaving all, forsaking all, following Jesus, you know. Hebrews eleven twenty four by faith, listen to this, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You talk about, he had a position of royalty, powerful position in Egypt. I like what the Old Testament says. I'd rather be a, I believe it's in the Psalms or the Proverbs, I believe it is, it says I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the, in, in, in the house of God than mighty, in, in the tents of the wicked. Absolutely. But Moses, he, when he was, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He had all those at his disposal, the treasures of the world, and he turned his back on it, for he looked to the reward. See, he didn't look at the treasures of Egypt. He looked at the real reward, the pearl of great price, that great hidden treasure, Jesus. And by faith, by faith, he did it by faith. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the, of the king or the Pharaoh. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Praise God. And Moses, one of the greatest men of the Bible, he forsook all and followed the Lord. You know, I think of one young man that didn't do it, rich young ruler. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago and he came to Jesus and had some questions for him and much I could say about it. If you want to hear me say more about it, look back at one of our last sessions on the parable of the rich fool. But, you know, Jesus told him, he said, sell what you have because this guy was rich. Sell what you have, give to the poor, take up. He said, take up the cross and follow me. And the Bible says that that man was sad at that word and went away sorrowful, walked away from Jesus for he had great possessions. See, he wasn't willing to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Walked away from the Lord because as we've said so many times, he had great possessions, but really those great possessions had him. So you have to ask yourself a question. Are you willing to forsake all and follow the Lord? Are you willing to, what are you willing to do? We've talked about all these other people. 
I've gave you some things in my life. But what are you willing to do? Are you willing to forsake all that you want to do and follow the Lord? Only you could answer that. But I tell you what, the apostle Peter, we talked about him a moment ago. Remember when he was out fishing and with the nets and all of that. And the Lord said, come, I'll make you a fisher of men. And he immediately left all. Well, well, at one point, he said to Jesus in Mark 10, verse 28, he said to the Lord, said, we've left all and followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold. That really means many times more. Now in this time, in this life in which we live, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions, absolutely, and in the age to come eternal life. So Peter said, Hey, left all and followed you. And the Lord said, there's great reward in it, in it, reward in it, and I just read it to you. And in my life, not comparing myself to Peter in any way, shape, form, or fashion, but just in, 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 in my experience, uh, I'm so glad that, that uh, I, I know on two occasions I had to do it twice. I had two really good jobs, and I had to, to leave them both to do what the Lord wanted me to do. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm anything at all, but I'm just saying I know on a very small scale compared to Peter what it's like. And uh, but I tell you what, I'm glad I did it and continue to do it uh, because he's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth it. I, I was headed to a devil's hell. Absolutely. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus came and he gave his life Born of the Virgin, lived that sinless life. He died on that cross for me. Was buried and rose from the dead. And if he can do that for me, the least I can do is give my life to him. He gave his life to me. I decided to give mine back to him. But what about you? What are you going to do? Are you willing to forsake all and follow him? If you're out there today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never you've never forsaken Sook the thing. You've never forsook your life and decided to lose your life. But what I mean by that, the things you want to do and sell out to him, now would be a good time to do it. Now would be a good time to do it. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus with a repentant heart will be saved. That means miss hell and make heaven one day. He makes your life worth living in the meantime. If you've never sold out to Jesus, you need to do that right now. Maybe you're out there and you're, you know... A nominal Christian, and you've, you know, you've been holding on to Jesus with one hand and the world with the other, straddling the fence. You've never really sold your heart out to Him. Now'd be a good time to repent of that and do it, and make that decision in your heart, and forsake the things you want to do. Set your schedule up around Him. You could only you could do that. Repent, turn to Him, and follow Him. Forsake what you want to do. And I tell you what. He'll make your life worth living. There'll be some persecutions along the way, sure, but he'll make it all worthwhile. And you'll have, a like I've had, I've had a blast serving the Lord. Well, anyway, I encourage you to sell out to him right now. Don't put it off. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. Well, thanks for joining me today. And uh, hey, I look forward. I enjoyed sharing these parables with you. The parable of the, uh, of uh, the, the uh, parable of great pride, uh, the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. 
Great lessons in here, I think. We'll pick up with another parable next week. I'll see you then. I want you to know I love you and appreciate you. And thanks for, thanks for letting me share the word of God with you today. All right, God bless you. See you next week. Bye-bye.